What is up guys, it is Quinn here back with another fantasy football video, and today I'm going to be talking about some value options at different positions for fantasy football. So I'm going to be going through five kind of common or popular fantasy picks, and then giving like a player from the same archetype who's going a few rounds after. So maybe you like a specific type of player, but you miss out on that guy. These are kind of comparisons that you can snag a few rounds later. They may not be, you know, 100% of the first player, but you know, obviously you're getting them at a cheaper price. So that is how it goes. And then I'll kind of talk about whether I think these are like smart drop downs in value, right? Like some, they may just be solid player comps, but I don't necessarily love the value of one guy or the other. So I'll kind of talk through that as well. But let's jump into the first value option. And if you're someone who really likes Joe Mixon, I think James Conner is a really solid backup option. Right now, Joe Mixon's going off the board as the RB7 at the 1-2 turn. You have James Conner going as the RB15, a mid-third round pick. So maybe you're picking at like the 4, 5, 6, 7 slot. You probably aren't going to have a chance to draft Joe Mixon because you don't want to reach at pick 6 or 7. And then he probably won't be there, you know, middle of the second round. So you could get a guy like James Conner in the third. And honestly, both of these players had more similarities than I was expecting, you know, when I was kind of going through, diving in, doing my notes for these two players. So they're both veteran running backs, both entering their sixth NFL season. And looking back at their 2021 seasons, both of them put up their majority of their fantasy points through inefficient rushing volume and then touched on upside. So these weren't guys who were averaging five plus yards a carry, you know, getting like 12, 13 super efficient carries per game. They were being fed the ball. You know, they were around like, I think James Conner was 3.7 yards per carry. Mixon was 4.1, but they were both getting into the end zone, you know, taking advantage of being on really strong offenses. So that led Joe Mixon to finish as the RB7 in points per game. James Conner was the RB9 in points per game. So both locked in top 10 running backs on a week to week basis. Both of these guys have also been committed to financially by their teams. So Mixon got an extension, I believe two years ago. So he's locked up. James Conner saw a solid extension this offseason. So both of these guys, you know, are being paid like they're going to be the number one options. I don't think there's a reason to think either of these guys lose their jobs. I also think they're locked into similar workloads in 2022. So I think they're both going to be getting the early down opportunities, first and second down carries. And then I think they're going to be getting the goal line opportunities. We saw that's how they scored last year. Don't really see why it kind of switches up here. And then for both of these players, I think their safety comes from the limited competition around them. And then their upside comes from like hopes of kind of taking over that receiving role. So if we're looking at Joe Mixon, he's competing with guys like Samaj P. Ryan, Chris Evans, like those guys aren't going to take his spot. Looking at James Conner, you have Daryl Williams, Eno Benjamin, Keontae Ingram. Like I don't think any of those players are talented enough to really challenge James Conner's, you know, like RB1 status in that backfield. And then for Joe Mixon, like, I think he's probably the best receiving back on that team. It's just a question of whether or not they give him that role. For James Conner, he didn't have it last year when Chase Edmonds was in the lineup, obviously, because that's Chase Edmonds' strong suit. But when Edmonds was out, like, James Conner got all the receiving opportunities. Basically, none of it went to Eno Benjamin. So that role is totally possible for James Conner to come in and snag. So that's where they're going to find their upside. I really feel like these are very similar kind of types of players here. And honestly, like just looking value wise, I don't think Mixon at the one two turn is like a terrible pick, especially if you're getting them early second round. But if you're asking me, like, would I rather have Joe Mixon at the one two turn or James Conner in the third? 
give me James Conner in the third round all day long. I also thought about kind of making a Mixon Fournette comparison. So there's kind of a little bit of a line there, you know, Mixon, Fournette, Connor. I feel like they're all kind of similar, give you similar stuff. Just two of them are going much later than Joe Mixon. Now moving on to the next one, and I feel like this is probably like the most, you know, solid comparison. Just seems very, very similar, these two players. It's going to be Nick Chubb and J.K. Dobbins. So right now, Chubb's going off the board as the RB12 at the 2-3 turn. J.K. Dobbins, the RB21 in the fifth round. So I think they both have very limited ceilings. They're a part of crowded backfields. Obviously, right now, Nick Chubb is dealing with Kareem Hunt, who's a very solid running back. J.K. Dobbins is dealing with Gus Edwards. Obviously, Lamar Jackson's going to steal carries. And the Ravens never like to give, you know, all the opportunities to one guy. They like to spread it around. Both of these players are going to be locked into a very solid rushing workload. Nothing like absurd. We're not talking 20 carries a game. Chubb's probably going to be around 16. Dobbins a little bit of a step down, probably like 13 to 14 carries per game, but they're both going to be incredibly efficient. Nick Chubb has averaged over five yards per carry in all four of his seasons. J.K. Dobbins averaged six yards per carry as a rookie. You know, the Ravens offense is going to lead to a lot of efficiency. Chubb has just proven he is one of the best like pure running backs in the NFL. I think they're both going to have, you know, solid opportunities to get into the end zone. Even if Nick Chubb's not on a good offense, the dude scored 38 touchdowns in 58 games. Those offenses he's been on really hasn't been special. He can break away runs. He'll be getting goal line opportunities. So, you know, he's been averaging like 11.1 touchdown average over like a 17 game season. So no touchdown problems for Nick Chubb. For J.K. Dobbins, we saw him get into the end zone nine times in 15 games as a rookie. And that was with very limited participation early on in the season. So I think Dobbins has that touchdown upside as well. And then another comparison, both of these players are going to be very limited in their receiving department. Nick Chubb has never seen 50 targets in a season. J.K. Dobbins averaged 2.3 targets per game as a rookie. The Ravens really just do not throw to the running backs. So I think these players are very, very similar. You just have Nick Chubb a little bit a step ahead in terms of volume. Obviously, he's proven himself to be one of the best running backs in the NFL. Neither of these guys are really going to have a solid fantasy football ceiling. And if I'm being totally honest, I don't really love either of these players at price, but I know a lot of people love that kind of safety. They don't love to chase a super high ceiling, especially, you know, second, third, fifth round. Like you don't need a guy to be the RB1. I like to take a little bit more risk. So I don't like to take these like high floor, low ceiling players. But if you're someone who likes Nick Chubb, I know there are a lot of big time Chubb fans out there. You know, J.K. Dobbins could be a solid step down going a few rounds later. Now we're going to switch over to the wide receiver position, and we're going to be talking about some veterans here. It's going to be Allen Robinson and then Adam Thielen. So Thielen is kind of like the budget version. So right now, A-Rob is going off the board as the wide receiver 22, like the 4-5 turn, you know, a back-end wide receiver 2 option. Adam Thielen's being drafted as the wide receiver 34, a late 6th round pick. They're both going to slot in as locked-in wide receiver twos on strong passing attacks. Both have been super reliable fantasy options throughout their careers. Both of them are probably on the down end. You know, I think it's safe to say they're no longer in their primes. Thielen has kind of fallen off in volume, but definitely stays as like a potential fantasy wide receiver too, because the man is just very good at getting into the end zone. You have Allen Robinson coming off of a brutal season, just a massive fall off from his, you know, previous outings. You could argue this is a situation problem. I know a lot of the advanced metrics, like his route running stuff, still looks really good. 
it's just tough to see like the total fall off, right? Because this is a guy, the appeal was like, he has the safest floor because he always produces even with garbage quarterbacks. This is the same guy who averaged 19 points per game with Blake Bortles and then 16.4 with Trubisky. So to go from 16.4 all the way down to 7.2, which was like the wide receiver 83, that is a really, really big fall off. So if I'm going to be drafting an aging wide receiver, I'd rather go after one in round six compared to like round four, round five, especially when you're considering like, is this Allen Robinson role like really going to be elite? Like I feel like the uh, Justin Jefferson to Adam Thielen is very similar to the Cooper Cup to Allen Robinson. Like heading into the uh, 2021 season, a lot of people thought Cup and Woods were like a 1A, 1B. Cup just blew them out of the water. Are we really like willing to argue that Allen Robinson is the same or better than Robert Woods heading into that season? I'm not really ready to make that case. So I would much prefer Adam Thielen here. And I think the parallels are definitely there. And we're going to stick around at the wide receiver position to talk about Gabriel Davis and Alan Lazard. Right now, Gabriel Davis on underdog is the wide receiver 24 going at the 4-5 turn. You have Alan Lazard going much later in drafts, the wide receiver 42 in eighth round pick. Both of these guys are, you know, young, unproven wide receivers kind of sliding into new roles. Gabriel Davis is entering his third year in the NFL. As a rookie, he averaged 8.6 points per game, then last year 7.9, so never really had a real breakout, has never been a super fantasy relevant option. Alan Lazard is going into his fifth year. As a rookie, I think he played in like one game, believe he was hurt. So looking at his last three seasons, 8.6 points per game, 9.8 points per game, and then 9.5. So slightly better than Gabriel Davis, but like those aren't numbers you're plugging into your lineup, you know, in PPR leagues, unless it's like a 20 team league or something like that. So looking at Gabriel Davis, the upside here is he slots in as the wide receiver two for the Bills, you know, kind of where Emmanuel Sanders was last year. He was behind Emmanuel Sanders which isn't exactly, you know, a great indicator for his future. If he couldn't beat out Sanders, like, is this an amazing role? Especially if Sanders was the wide receiver too. He wasn't super fantasy relevant. That may be, you know, a topic for a different video. Not the biggest Gabriel Davis fan, but for Alan Lazard, he's, I guess, going to be competing to be the wide receiver one. I'm not foolish. Like, he's not going to step into a Devontae Adams role. No one's going to be close to Devontae Adams production in this Green Bay wide receiver room. It's likely going to be more spread out, but there is pretty limited competition here. You're looking at Christian Watson, a super raw prospect. Sammy Watkins can't really stay on the field, hasn't produced recently. You have like Amari Rogers there. Just a lot of, you know, options you're not super confident in. So personally, if we're looking at wide receivers stepping into new roles, I would rather take, you know, the unproven breakout of a guy going in the eighth round instead of taking someone who's going in the same range as DK Metcalf. Brandon Cooks, Darnell Mooney, like Metcalf's proven to be a wide receiver one. Obviously the situation's bad. Brandon Cooks just like locked in low end wide receiver two every single season. Darnell Mooney, wide receiver one, you know, in a bad situation. So I don't know. I'd be very concerned taking Gabriel Davis, who really has no consistent production in like the fourth, fifth round when I could get a guy who's kind of, you know, similar upside here. You're shooting for the young guy new situation, opened up targets, all that stuff. So give me Lazard over Gabriel Davis. I think it's a much more palatable price. And now on to the fifth and final budget option. If you're drafting Joe Burrow, think about going for Matthew Stafford. So right now, Joe Burrow is the quarterback seven going in the sixth round. Matthew Stafford is currently sitting at QB 12. 
going at the 8-9 turn. They're both pocket passing quarterbacks. Both of them are on strong offenses, and they both have solid weapons around them. Joe Burrow, obviously, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Matthew Stafford. He has Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson. We actually saw them finish back-to-back in points per game last season. Burrow was the QB 10. Stafford was the QB 11. And I actually think there's reason to believe that both of these players can take jumps in the 2022 season. That was Stafford's first year with the Rams. It's not easy to come into an entirely new offense and, you know, be 100% of yourself in year one. So I think he can take a jump. He's more familiar with that offense, should be more comfortable heading into year two. For Joe Burrow, he was coming off the ACL. Still a super young quarterback, should continue to improve. And then also he saw some major offensive line upgrades. Think this team could be even more pass heavy. I just think both of these players are very, very similar. The problem is their price tags are, you know, a few round different, like two, three round difference here in their price tags. Whereas I think they have very similar floors and very similar ceilings. Like these are guys whose floor is probably like 18 points per game if they get unlucky in the touchdown department. And their ceiling is probably like what Tom Brady was last year, 22 points per game. Like I'm not overly confident that Joe Burrow is going to blow Matthew Stafford out of the water. So I'd much rather spend that six round pick somewhere else, draft the budget option in Matthew Stafford, going a few rounds later. I kind of feel like that's the play with this situation. Not hating on Joe Burrow. The dude's a stud. Love to watch him play. I just think for fantasy, his hype has gone a little too high. Because if we're being honest, like at the quarterback position, rushing is key. And if you're not one of these guys who provides elite rushing upside, you're going to be able to find, you know, similar replacements going, you know, later single digit rounds, double digit rounds. You know what I mean? Like, is the difference between a guy like Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford that huge? I don't think so. Even a guy like Kirk Cousins in a more pass heavy attack, Derek Carr, like these players, if I'm not drafting these early quarterbacks, I'm waiting to get some of those value options, or I'm taking a shot on a player like Trey Lance, who's going later on. And I should be talking about Trey Lance kind of soon in a video, so stay tuned for that. But those are like my budget options. Let me know what you guys think about these down below in the comment section, and I'll see you guys in the next one.